All right, well, welcome, Faith, and thank you for being here for our evening service. We're finishing our text in Romans chapter 16 this evening. So if you have your Bibles, please open them to Romans chapter 16. We'll begin in verse 17, and we'll take our our time and just walk through the text uh, all the way to verse 27. Let's pray as we begin. Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful for the rich treasure of the book of Romans, how we have seen the wrath that you have toward all mankind, whether religious, self-righteous, or even the rebellious. We are all under your wrath, and we are all condemned under sin to death and punishment. But we praise you for all of those beautiful chapters on the grace of God, how the grace of God has stooped down and rescued us by faith alone are we saved. We're grateful for the grace that not only saves us, but then also sanctifies us and ultimately brings us to heaven away from the presence of sin forever. And then we're, fa- we're grateful, Father, for the nation Israel and how Israel has a plan and a purpose yet to come. Someday all Israel will be believers. They will acknowledge the Lord Jesus. They will see him descend from the clouds with power and great glory. They will look upon him whom they pierced, and they will be uh, faithful children of yours. And we're thankful, again, that you have a, a plan for Israel Um, after the church age is completed. And then for the will that you have for us in the church age now, that we are to live lives of love and humility. We are to be submissive and um, subject to governing authorities. We're to obey the law of love and owe no one else but to love them. And uh, so we're grateful for all of these truths and how even when it comes to controversial things that are not moral in nature, we're to be gracious and receive one another when we differ in a different opinions and things. And so we're so grateful for this, the teaching of this book. I pray that it has strengthened our church and has taught us more of the grace and holiness that comes from you. And now, Father, guide and direct our attention as we look at these last thoughts and last truths from Romans. We praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. It's interesting, in Romans 16, we have a list of about 25 or 26 names that Paul greets, people that he is affiliated with or knows in the Roman church. So Paul never worked alone. He always worked with people. I think Paul was a good people person. He he didn't always get along with everybody. We know that in different texts of the New Testament. You know, he had kind of a strong personality and maybe rubbed people a, a wrong way. He wasn't without sin. But he sure did love people, and he always wanted to work together with one another. So after these great concluding thoughts of greeting, guess what we get in verse 17? We get a warning. So here's a note of warning. I see it like this. Romans 16 begins with friends to greet. And then in verse 17 through verse 20, we have foes to avoid. Do you know every time that God is doing something great in the church, when there's unity and there's great things happening, the gospel is going out, we're in prayer, we're in the word of God. Do you know what happens? Satan comes along and what does he want to do? He wants to divide. And I have seen this over and over. Things are going great. Everything is going well. The gospel's going out. There's unity and joy and peace. And then there's division. And division comes, and disunity, and hurt, and bitterness, and anger, and resentment, and evil speaking, and malice, and slander, and, and, and then you, you deal with it, and, and then you have a measure, a time of peace, and joy, and, and then what happens? Disunity and division. W- what do we do about this? We've got friends we want to greet, but now look at verse 17. We have to be warned. We note people who are divisive and deliberately offensive. Verse 17, God's word says, Now I urge you, I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses. So we are to note people in our church. Now again, we don't go around 
policing and, and be in particular. But we do, if there is division, and it's recognizable that it's division in moral areas and doctrinal areas, we are to note those who cause divisions and offenses. One of the things the Lord hates is when, a, when somebody sows discord in the church, right? One of the seven things that the Lord hates is sowing discord in the, amongst the brethren. If you can't deal with it one-on-one, then get help. And, but seek reconciliation, not slander. Don't be so busy talking about people. Talk to one another, not about one another. So we note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. You know what this tells me? Our church needs to guard a content of doctrine and right behavior that goes with it. And anybody who is not in line with right doctrine, with right behavior, we need to note them. All right? It's causing division and offenses. If somebody is teaching something or propagating, do you know that when somebody is propagating division in the church, it's not outright public? You know when it takes place? Parking lots. Parking lots are great places for division. You leave the Sunday service, oh, I'll tell you what I think, Pastor, you know what he said, and oh, I'll tell you all about what, you know. Oh, it just, that always kind of concerns me when you see somebody hanging out, and you just never know. But we just got to be careful of those things. We, we note people who cause divisions and offenses. We have to guard the unity of our church. They are contrary to our doctrine, which we have learned. We, so number one, not only do we note them, Number two, we avoid them. We have nothing to do with them. We, we, we avoid them. We don't, we don't um, participate in their evil doings of division. If anybody is, is creating division in the church and you hear about it, you note them and you avoid them. You know, it has to be dealt with, uh, of course, but, but we, we note them and we avoid them. Verse 18, what, why do these people want to divide and and be offensive. Verse, four, verse 18, for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. They're not really interested in doing things for the Lord. They're interested in doing it for their, their own belly, meaning their flesh. They want to do it because they want to feel important. They want to have, a, they have an exaggerated view of themselves, and they are seeking to build their own kingdom. They want to be, you know, whatever, and so they will seek to tear down and to dis- destroy and divide what God is doing. It always happens. And we're enjoying a nice time of peace right now. But I'm on guard, and I'm taking note, because with this, Satan is going to divide and, and seek to destroy what we have going here at Faith. So they are belly servers. They don't serve the Lord Jesus, but they serve their own flesh. And by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. People that aren't discerning, they listen. Oh, you, what do you mean? Pastor is this? What? Really? Well, okay, yeah, you know what? I don't like that guy anymore. I'm not going, you know, now I'm going to speak ill of him instead of encourage him or, or come face to face, whatever. So you see the issue? We note those who cause division. We avoid them. And you need to be discerning. Otherwise, you'll be fooled by flattering words and speech of, of those who want to divide. In the last 20-some years, I have dealt many times with people who are divisive. And it's over the most incredible things. I'm not talking doctrine. I'm not talking fundamentals of faith. But I'm seeking just many things. 
So, so be on guard. This is a warning. Verse 19, Paul's going to encourage them now. For your obedience has become known to all. Anytime that we as a church are obedient to the word of God and God brings about blessing, Satan is right there to do his dirty work. So here's Paul's final word. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, glad that you're obedient, but I want you to be wise in what is good. Be discerning in what is good and right and proper when it comes to doctrine and behavior and simple concerning evil. Literally, he wants them to be experienced in discernment. Know right doctrine from wrong doctrine, right behavior from wrong behavior. Discern it, note it, avoid it. Don't participate it, don't propagate it. And then when it comes to doing evil, have like no experience. Be babies. Don't even, don't even have any experience when it comes to doing evil. That's what we need to do. Because there's plenty of people out there mastering the evil things. And we don't want to be part of that. So be wise in what is good. Be discerning. Be understanding in what is good. But when it comes to doing evil, hmm, you have no, you have no abilities. You just have no experience in those types of things is the goal. Now look at verse 20. And the God of peace, see, Anytime there's division, there's no peace. Um, so God is now here. Paul calls him the God of peace. He's the one that reconciles and brings, brings things together. And the God of peace will crush Satan. Because who's behind divisions and offenses? Satan. So God, the God of peace, will crush Satan under your foot, under your feet shortly. So Satan's rising up. Divide, division, division. Um, slander, malice, slander, you know, all sorts of things going on. These are all act little activities of the devil. And we need to be faithful and discerning to note, to avoid, not to propagate. We need to protect the unity of the church, even if it means we, um, we deal with the offender and the divider, the person that's causing division. For the sake of the body, we have to do that. But we have a promise. So we note people, we avoid them, we have discernment, and lastly, we have a promise. And the promise is that Satan's activity will be crushed someday. We get little victories right now, right? We go through things, oh, trials, turmoils, church upheaval, and, and we, then we crush Satan and, and everything's good for a while. And then he rises up again with an individual or two or three or whatever. And then we deal with it and then we have that peace back. That's why ministry is a tough thing, isn't it? Ministry, being in ministry together is tough. So here's the promise. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Kind of allu It's alluding, of course, to the Garden of Eden. The seed of the woman will crush the devil's head. But we, Adam and Eve, were given the mandate to tread over all creation, to really walk over all creation, and yet Satan rises up in rebellion, and mankind, we need to put the devil down. And ultimately, when Jesus comes back, the devil will be put down and put away once for all. But all of this can only be accomplished by the end of verse 20. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. This is the conclusion then, really, of, of all that, that Paul's teaching. In order, to, in order to do all of this, we need God's grace. Don't attempt to note people and avoid them and use discernment um, without grace. Without God's grace being with us. And, and now in verses 21 through 24, there's a list of nine more people that are with Paul in, a, in prison 
I'm sorry, not in prison, but in Corinth. There's nine people that he's with while he's writing this letter. Listen to all of these people in Corinth with uh, the Apostle Paul. Verse 21, Timothy, my fellow worker, and I, uh, and Lucius, Jason, and Sassipater, my countrymen, greet you. So before, Paul was greeting people in the, in the Roman church. Now he's with a group of people, and Timothy is one of them. We know Timothy. Uh, he, he joined Paul in Acts 16 during the second missionary journey and then became a, really a, a follower of the Lord Jesus and trained in ministry under the Apostle Paul. So Timothy, his fellow worker, greets the Roman church. Lucius, it could be Lucius of Cyrene in Acts 13 from the Antioch church. We don't know which Lucius. Jason uh, most likely is from Corinth. And Sassipater, my countryman, Sassipater could be the man in Acts 20 from Berea. We, we just don't know. But these names are, or names like them are recorded other places in Scripture. They are Jewish, though. They're the countrymen. They're Jewish believers. They also greet the Roman church. So can you picture this? Paul's dictating the letter. Tertius is writing the letter. And then Lucius says, hey, Paul, hey, Paul, say hello from me to the, to the Roman church. And Paul's like, okay, Lucius greets you. And then Sassipater is like, oh, Paul, Paul, tell them hello from me. And then he's like, okay, and Sassipater, my countrymen, greet you. So it's just such camaraderie in ministry. It's, it's what we love about being fellow workers together. Verse 22, look who's writing the letter. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. So Tertius has been doing everything. He's doing all the writing. He's the amanuensis. Paul's speaking it. He's like, okay, Tertius, let's write this down. And, and the Lord would give the words to say, and Paul would speak it, and Tertius would write it. So can you imagine here at this point, Tertius is like, Paul, 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 can I greet the church? And Paul's like, okay, you can greet the church too. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, also greet you in the Lord. I love it. Verse 23, Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church greets you. This Gaius would have been living in Corinth and probably had a house big enough to host the church, or at least one of the churches. And so Gaius is like, send my greetings to the Roman believers. And then Erastus is interesting. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you. One of the high-ranking officials in Corinth. Now, when I was in Corinth back in, oh, I don't even remember when I was, 2009, 08, something like that. Yeah, 09, when I was in Corinth, here I am, I'm walking up and down the ancient city. I, I go over to the, the, the original part of the city where there's an old amphitheater put into the hills, and there on the pavement, in Greek, it says, this pavement was donated by Erastus, the city treasurer. And it's like, if you were to go in front of the deck or in front of the, the county building down there, you know, you have little bricks. You could buy a brick for 20 bucks, put your name on it. Remember when they were doing that years ago? Oh, I'll buy a brick and put my name, and you give $20, and they put your name on a brick, and it's there. Erastus paid for the, the main thoroughfare, the, the massive thoroughfare, by the, by the arena of Corinth. And it's all in, and I actually traced my finger on the name Erastus City Treasure. So that is still there. It could be that very one that Paul is talking about because that is the first century city. So Erastus is like, please greet the Romans on my behalf. And, and Paul does. And then, listen, Cortus, Cortus a brother. Do you want to know what's interesting about Tertius and Cortus? They're slave names. You have Primus is a slave name. So that's one. Secundus, that's second. 
Tertius, three, that's, you just, it's like slave one, slave two, slave three, slave four. So Cordus was slave four. And, and Paul's like, Cordus greets you as well. I just love how the church is so together, so unified. What a, what a blessing. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, again, the emphasis on grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And now a concluding benediction. I see a few things. We could actually go long and deep on each one of these, but I pulled a few things out for you to consider. Verse 25, now to him who is able to establish you. You know, God is not able just to save you. He is able to establish you, to give you stability, roots deep in the faith, so that nothing will shake you. God is able to do that. It's the word dunameno. You get the word dynamite. So my first point about the benediction, our God is a God of power. He is able to not only give me eternal life, but he can take care of me in the storms of this life. Whatever's happening in in this life, the Lord can settle me and establish me. He is powerful enough. So we have a God of power. Now to him who is able to establish you, listen to my second point, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. Not only do we have a God of power here, but we have the God of the gospel. Paul's gospel. So Paul says, God's power establishes us according to the gospel. The good news, Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead. He has formed the church, Jew and Gentile in one body. This is the mystery kept secret since the world began. Look at verse 26, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations. So we have the God of power. We have the gospel of our great God through the prophetic scriptures. Then we have the evangelism of God. We have the evangelism of the gospel. This this gospel is being made known to all nations. And, and that's, this is the work we need to be involved in. So we need to be involved in proclaiming and passing out the news of the gospel to all nations. According to the commandment of the everlasting God, for, and here's the goal, so the final point here is the goal, for obedience to the faith. So we have the powerful God establishing us through the gospel of God that saves and transforms us. This gospel reaching all the nations through evangelism, And the goal for all the nations is obedience to the faith. Kind of sums up the whole book of Romans. To God alone, who is wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. God alone is our source of wisdom, and he is the one that gets glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. So what a great benediction. Speaking of the power of God, the gospel of God, the evangelism of the message, the proclamation of the message, and the goal. Wow. Well, praise God for this book of Romans. Let's bow in prayer. Thank you, Father, for this text. And there's a lot to think about. We're so grateful that we have a, a time of peace and joy in the, and unity in the church. But we also know Satan is active. And it, when we don't deal with issues and things, then um, division comes and and things fall apart. But we're grateful that through grace, we can um, 
strive to protect and to guard the unity that the Holy Spirit has given and produced here. So we thank you for the admonition, the warning, to note and to avoid those who cause division and offenses, to be discerning when it comes to these things, and innocent and unexperienced regarding evil. We're thankful for the greetings that just show the camaraderie that we need to have in the gospel. The church needs to place a, to, to be where there's friendships that are built and, and relationships that are established. And so I'm thankful for these greetings that just show us the unity and the camaraderie in the gospel between all of these various people, um, the excitement of working together for the gospel. And thank you for this benediction that shows you are the powerful God to establish us. It's all through the gospel that um, has been revealed from the beginning of, uh, of time and been made manifest, and for even the evangelistic efforts of this church to all nations, and the goal that we might be obedient to the faith. Oh, you are worthy of all of our praise and all of our devotion and obedience. Thank you, Father, for the wonderful and the magnificent, majestic book of Romans. Continue to use it in our life, and we praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.